All right. Uh, the title of the message today is Happy Father's Day. Uh, because I shared uh, about a month ago, brought my whole family up to help. We shared Happy Mother's Day was the title. So I came up with another creative title, Happy Father's Day. Um, and I want to talk to you about two principles in Scripture that you can do that will make your father a better father. But I want, you, I want to explain something to you. This will work on anybody. So this can help your wife be a better wife, your children be better children, your friends be better friends. This can help your boss be a better boss. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Uh, so these are two principles that we can do that actually affect the people around us. Uh, now, I, I, I have to say something just for a moment to the North Richland Hills campus, specifically to you. Um, you know, I'm standing right here, but some of you are still watching the screens. <laughs> it's habit. That's what you said. Okay, I'm, I'm here, okay? Uh, I, you know, I've said, I'm here. Uh, it's just funny because I, I'm, I'm just sharing with you my heart, and you're just... Uh, so... Okay, so look at me for just, just today, okay? All right. And for the 1230 service at NRH, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm heading out so you can watch the, the screens, okay? All right, here's number one. I only have two, two principles, all right? Number one, the principle of honoring. The principle of honoring. Now look at Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. This is Jesus, to his hometown. One version says, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Remember, this guy grew up in their hometown, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were, watch this word, offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives. Now watch this, because many people miss this part, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, the most amazing verse in the Bible to me, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That, that shocks me. The Son of God was limited by dishonor. In other words, he's in a place where they are not honoring of him, and because of that, he can't do a mighty work. This is, this is the creator of the universe. All things were created by him and for him. And all things exist through him. This is amazing. The Son of God is in a city. He's been doing mighty works everywhere he goes. But he comes to the city where he was raised and he cannot. The Bible says he could not do a mighty work there. Because they didn't honor him. And you can tell from the passage two, two things cause dishonor. If you feel like, if you want to know if you're honoring someone. Or if you want to honor the person. You don't understand why you're not Two things according to this passage. Familiarity causes dishonor. Familiarity comes from the word family. Uh, when you think about it, many, many people, even many people who are unchurched, know this phrase, a prophet is not, not without honor except in his own country. But they don't go on, the rest of it, Jesus said, among his own relatives and in his own house. 
So familiarity can cause dishonor. I know the guy. Listen, I've seen him when he's had a bad day. You know, you're telling me to honor this guy, but, but I know what he's like behind closed doors. And then not only familiarity, but offenses. It says they were offended at him. Uh, if you're offended at someone, you'll never honor that person. That offense has to be cleared up. The person has to be forgiven. Even if what the person did is worthy of us to be offended, that does not give us a right as believers because we're to forgive as, the, as God has forgiven us. And so I just want you to notice, this is amazing to me, if dishonor hindered Jesus from doing mighty works, is it possible that dishonor is hindering a man in your life from doing mighty works? And since it's Father's Day, and, and since I'm a man, I want to speak for men for a few moments. And I, want, I want to say to you ladies, um, it's tough being a man. We're, uh, we are confused. <laughs> we, we don't know what you want. We, we are confused constantly with, do you want us to be tough or do you want us to be sensitive? <laughs> and when do you want which? <laughs> My wife says things all the time that confuses me. She said, she said to me one time, many times, she said to me, I didn't tell you my problems so you could solve them. <laughs> well, why did you tell me then? <laughs> because that's what I do. And then she'll say to me, L just listen. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. And then five minutes later, she'll say, talk to me. <laughs> I thought you said to listen. <laughs> so I think there, you, you confuse us all the time. We don't, we don't know. We don't understand. And I think, I think some of the time, I'm going to be honest with you, I think you're doing it on purpose. A man will be all dressed up, just about to walk out the door, and a woman will say, you going to wear that? <laughs> and we, get, we're just, we, we're, we, we say, no, I'm just going to go out and get the mail, come back in and change. <laughs> I, I've never had a man say that to me. I've never gotten in the truck to go hunting with someone, and the guy said to me, are you going to wear that? Gosh, Robert, it's after Labor Day. You can't wear that. <laughs> I've never heard that. I, I, uh, just this, as this weekend, you know, uh, I said my family went on ahead and I'll be leaving today to, to join them. But my wife laid out my clothes before she left. <laughs> because she knows I can't pick out my own clothes. I've had to do that sometimes, get up for an early morning meeting and leave the house, you know, before she's awake. And then I come back, I walk in the door, literally, this happened to me. She said, did you wear that today? <laughs> no, I uh, changed on the way home while I was driving on the freeway. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And she said to me one time, she said, did you, did you wear that today? And I, and I said, uh, yeah. And she said, all day? And then she said this, who saw you? 
I tell you, another time, this actually happened. It's very similar this weekend where my family had left before me to go on vacation. I was going to preach and then join them. <laughs> and one of our pastor's wives walked up to me in the service and did this. Debbie out of town? <laughs> we, we don't know what you want. And then after a few years of marriage, grown men walk out of the closet in their underwear. Honey, do, do these pants go with this shirt? <laughs> you know, what does she say? Just sit on the bed. <laughs> Just sit on the bed, and after I get dressed, I will pick something out for you. <laughs> and so we're sitting on the bed with the kids in our underwear, <laughs> saying, we're, we're going to get dressed. <laughs> Mama's going to make us look good. Is that right? We are confused. Then, you want to talk about confusing again, my wife will come out of the closet with two different shoes on and ask me which shoes to wear. I can't even dress myself. Why are you? I mean, my underwear. Why are you asking me this question? I, d I don't know. And by the way, I, I've, I've figured out, men, you, for you newly married men, you, you think you have a 50-50 shot at this. But you don't. The mathematical odds are beyond that. You will never get this question right. And I know now how to get the question right. 32 years of marriage, I know. Debbie will say, which one should we? And see, see you, have, you have to understand something. She doesn't want your opinion. She, she already knows what shoes she wants to wear. She just, she's trying to find confirmation. De Debbie said to me one time, what, what shoes should I wear? And I said, uh, I, I like the brown ones. She went, the brown? I don't even know why I mess with you. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so here's what you do for you young men, or you, if you haven't been married yet, and you, well, one day, let me just say what you do. When they say, which shoes should I wear? This is what you do. You go, that's all you have to do. You just repeat that. Don't say a word. Because in a moment, she can't take any longer. She'll say it. What she, she'll say, I, I was thinking the, blue, the, the, the black ones. And here's what you say. I was thinking the black ones too. <laughs> now, you're not lying because as soon as she said it, you thought it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm telling you, we're confused. I, I, and ladies, listen to me. Let me just give you a little secret. Let me just give you a secret, all right? You can... Uh, just, just, well, let me say it another way, all right? Help you understand. Um, just, just talking to the ladies now. M men are like dogs. They are. You just give them a little praise and a treat every now and then. <laughs> and you can train them. <laughs> you just, I'm telling you, when he does something right, it may be... Three weeks, but when he does something right, you say, him a good boy. Yeah, him a good boy. Him picked up him dirty clothes, him a good boy. That's it. Just praise him and give him a treat. Listen, honor is his number one need. Now, I know some of you think that something else is his number one need. But according to all the surveys, sex is his number two need. It's close, but it's, it's number, his number one need is honor. His number two need is sex. By the way, just so you know, I don't know why, I'm, I don't know why God did this. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. Uh, when women take surveys, they list sex at number 13. 
gardening is number 12. <laughs> let, me, let me show you one more scripture before we go to Matthew uh, 10. Ephesians 6 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I just want you to notice this phrase because a lot of people say that you may live long, but it's that it may be well with you. There are many, many people that things aren't going well with them because they don't honor their parents. This is what I'm saying. You can honor, these are two principles, this is just the first one, but you can honor your father and it changes what happens in your life. This is amazing to me. You know, uh, and, the, and I'm not saying the guy's perfect because we know he's not. You know, when Noah got off the ark, you know, he got drunk. And one of his sons made fun of him. And the other two, and he went out and talked about it. And the other two sons put, put a blanket on their shoulders, the Bible says, and walked in backward so they did not see their father's nakedness. He got drunk and, and got naked, and they covered his nakedness. And by the way, the Bible says they were blessed. And the other one that co- uncovered his father's nakedness and talked about it was cursed. So it affects us how we treat other people, whether we honor or not. All right, so that's number one, the principle of honor. Here's, here's number two, the principle of receiving. The principle of receiving. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 10, if you have your Bibles there, verse 40 and 41. He who receives you, he's talking to the disciples, receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, I want you to notice this principle here. He's talking about receiving, and he says, you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. You receive a righteous man, you get a righteous man's reward. If you'll receive me, you also receive the Father. This is incredible when Jesus says this. Okay, but how do I receive? I mean, how do you actually do that? Well, you know, we receive all the time. We receive gifts. Someone gives us a gift, we receive it. Okay, so, so here's what it, 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 the principle of receiving. When you receive a person in your life, now listen carefully, as God's perfect gift to you. Not, again, they're, they're not perfect, but they might be perfect for you. In other words, God can use things in your life. If you receive someone as God's perfect gift to you, you actually release that person to be all God intended him to be in your life. But until you receive him, he can't be all that God intended him to be. And the perfect example of this is Jesus. Let me show you a scripture. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, this, this word in the Greek is exousia, which means authority or power. He gave the authority the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Okay, notice, God, Jesus has, has all power and all power to save and heal and forgive and set free. Okay, he has all power to do that. But none of that helps you until you receive him. He cannot be all God intended him to be in your life until you receive him. But when you receive him as God's perfect gift to you, then you actually release him to be all God intended him to be. This is what was the problem with his, the people in his hometown. They didn't receive him as the son of God. They received him as a carpenter. They said, well, he's a carpenter. We're going to receive him as a carpenter. Because they didn't receive him as God's son, 
he wasn't able to be God's son to them. You see what I'm saying? So when you receive someone as God's perfect gift to you, not perfect, but perfect gift to you, you release that person to be all God intended him to be in your life. Now, this works again. Uh, husbands, wives, children, friends. Uh, here, here's even with bosses. You, have, you, you probably have a very imperfect boss. Now, you, you don't, Pastor Marcus. You have a, a great boss, by the way. <clears throat> but the rest of you, you know, let's, you might have a very imperfect boss and a job you hate right now. But if you say, but God, I receive this as your perfect gift to me at this time. It may not go on forever, but what are you trying to do? you understand that a lot of people who don't do this end up getting a job very similar, a boss very similar? It'd be good to learn what he's trying to teach you and move on. So when you receive your spouse as God's perfect gift to you, everything changes. Think about this. God will take, uh, uh, um, let me just... I'll say a woman, but I don't mean this uh, in a bad way. I'm just for an analogy, all right? A woman and a man. God will take, and it could be the opposite, but God will take a woman who, who believes that the earth will stop orbiting if she stops talking and join her with a man who feels he has thoroughly covered a subject if he grunts twice. Is that right? God, God will take... Um, um, a woman who believes that if the meeting starts at 1045, that you'll need to be there at the meeting at 1030. You'll need to be there early. And join her with a man who believes that the meeting starts at 1045. You could actually leave the house at 1045 and be magically transported. <laughs> am, I, am I telling the truth? Or it could be vice versa. It could be male or female, all right? Here's the point, though. He's perfect for you. She's perfect for you. You, you realize this is even, this is the, the reason for the marriage vows. Let me give you another uh, two words for um, receiving. Unconditional acceptance. Unconditional acceptance. This is what you said so many years ago, sir, just to remind you. I accept you for better or worse. If you make my life worse, I'm staying with you till death do us part. That's what you said. And, and can I tell you something? If you'll receive her as God's perfect gift to you, it'll change everything. Instead of rejecting her or rejecting him. I receive you for richer or poorer. Uh, in sickness and in health. And, and let's just be honest. It's a good thing, ladies, you said in sickness. Because when men get sick, let's be honest, they're babies. <laughs> Debbie actually said one time, we were talking about it. She was just joking with a couple. I was there. And she said, you know, it, it amazes me. You know, Robert can get up at 5 in the morning and, and, and go hunting. He scuba dives with sharks. He drives race cars. But when him's sick... <laughs> I become the biggest baby in the world. But she accepted me unconditionally, better or worse. And when you'll receive, listen, you can be living with a person and not receive that person as God's perfect gift. By the way, I'm, so this is, you need to be very excited, those of you last weekend that received the Holy Spirit. Because you have now released the Holy Spirit to be all God intended him to be in your life. 
You know, Debbie, again, is the best example of so many things I know. She honored me when I was dishonorable. She received me when she could have rejected me. And she taught our kids to do the same. She always spoke honorably. Even when we would go through difficult times and even when I would blow it, she would say to the kids, now listen, he's not perfect, but he's a good man. And if you'll honor him, the Bible says that God will do something in your life. So she taught our kids that. It changed me. I'll never forget my son James is a, a big fisherman, even to this day. But even when he was young, he, loved, he just loved to fish. I'm talking about 8, 19 years old. And no matter where he went, he caught all the fish. We went to Colorado one time. We couldn't afford to do the private guided, like, you know, fishing trip at that time. And we tried to catch some in a stream. And so finally we heard about this place where you could go and, and catch fish. You just paid for what you caught. Well, you know, I didn't think about it, but he ran up about 50 bucks before I could stop him, you know. But when we got there, we went into the store to buy some lures, and he went walking around. He would watch all these fishing shows, you know. So he went walking around. He came back with about three or four lures, and he set them on the counter. And the guy at the store said, oh, they won't bite those. Just like I said, not, not this time of year. They won't bite those. And I looked down at my nine-year-old son, you know, and he looked up at me and went. <laughs> and I knew, I knew him. I didn't know this guy. So I said, well, we'll take, we'll take these. He said, well, they won't bite them. I said, that's all right. We'll take these. Then my son walked out. And he looked around. There were all these men. They'd been fishing. I found out later for two to three hours not catching anything. And they were all kind of on two sides of it. My son looked at that. He looked at the landscape, the trees. He looked at everything. He walked around to the, where no one else was, threw his line in, and caught a fish. Took that and off, threw his line in, and caught another fish. These men... They started moving over that way. <laughs> Pretty soon, they said, well, what, what, what lure you got there, son? And they you know, went inside and bought the same one. Okay, he knows how to do it. And one of the times where he went to, they went ahead of me. I preached for the weekend, and I was going to join them then. And um, they were at Debbie's parents' land in East Texas, and they have some places to fish. And I'm driving down. I'm talking to Debbie on the phone. And she said, well, James had a great day fishing day. He caught over 50 bass one day, big bass. And uh, he's about 10 years old. And, uh, and I said, oh, that's great. And she said, he can't wait. Talked about it all day. He can't wait to go fishing with you tomorrow. So we got down there and we went fishing. It's kind of like, it, this happens a lot when I go fishing. I, I don't know why, but it's like, it's like, you know, showing up at the garage sale and they say, we just sold that. You know, that's the way I feel because it's the day before they were biting so we didn't catch hardly anything. And after a while, I said to him, son, I'm, I'm so sorry, but today is not as good as yesterday. And he looked right at me and he said, dad, today is much better than yesterday because you're here. We can honor and receive the people God's put in our lives and release them to be all God has intend intended them to be. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? This is something I ask you to do every week, but I don't want you to ever just let this be a ritual or start gathering your stuff together to leave during this time. This is very, very important. Ask the Holy Spirit because he wants to speak directly to you, to all of us. So ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And you might even get more specific and say, who in my life? Who is it, Lord, that I need to honor 
and I need to receive. And we want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficult time in any area of your life, not just in response to this message, but maybe your health, your finances, your family, your relationship with God, maybe you need to come to God or maybe you need to come back to God and give your life fully to God. Receive Him. If you'll receive Him, the Bible says, He gives us the power to become children of God. But we have to receive Him. So in just a moment, this is what we do at every campus and in every overflow room. If you need prayer for any area at the front of the campus and the front of the overflow room, we are going to have leaders from our church who love you, who love God, who are trained to pray for you. And you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. Or you could be a leader here and need prayer because we all need prayer. I need prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, no matter which campus you're attending or which room you're seated in, in just a moment, we're going to stand and worship. We ask that no one leave during this time. It only takes about five minutes. It's very important because people are making decisions for the, that, that are for the Lord and affect their lives. So if you need prayer for any area at every campus, every overflow room, as soon as we stand up, you just, it'll make it easier. You just slip to the aisle, come to the front, and let us pray for you. And there'll be other people coming. You won't be the only one, I promise, no matter which location you're in, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person that has any prayer need at every campus, in every room, in Jesus' name, amen.